This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Well, as you heard in the news, the Liberal government is set to introduce its long-awaited legislation on physician-assisted death. Our sources say that will happen tomorrow and the bill will take a much narrower approach than what was recommended recently by a joint parliamentary committee. That means it won't allow people with debilitating psychiatric conditions to end their lives, and it will also not allow advance consent, a request to end their lives in the future for people with progressive degenerative conditions like dementia. We want to hear from you on what you think of that. That is an issue that we have followed very closely here. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, just yesterday, I talked to Sandra Martin about her new book, A Good Death, and she told me about the death from Alzheimer's of a man that we both knew. Have a listen. We need to have a strategy about seniors. We need to have a dementia strategy. I mean, I know somebody that I wrote about in in the Globe and Mail and again in the book, a man who I came to, uh, I loved his family. I, I couldn't really know him because he was in such a fog of Alzheimer's that, you know, it was impossible to know him. Are you talking about Grant Crosby? Grant Crosby. Well, he used to work at the Globe and Mail and, of course, Um, My husband did, and we met him socially when he was, you know, in his prime and vigorous. Well, I vaguely remember meeting him, but um, when I met him, he was in a hospital bed where he'd been for four or five months because there was nowhere for him to go. And over the course of meeting with them several times, they did find a behavioral unit for him because many people with Alzheimer's are frustrated. And if they're young enough and powerful enough, they can be quite dangerous to themselves and to others because it's like a five-year-old with the, the force and power of an adult. So he has since died, um, and he didn't have a good death. And the reason he didn't have a good death was because he was in a long-term care home, and there wasn't enough medical care at the home to give him adequate palliative care. So that is another problem. Wow, I, I didn't even know that he had died. He just died in February, yeah. And, I mean, it's his wife called me and said, uh, I'm sorry you finished your book because we have another chapter to talk about. Wow. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it took him a week to die, and it, it was just very sad. Well, that is an example of the kind of thing that can happen when there is no advance directive. As we told you, we are waiting for the government to introduce that legislation uh, likely tomorrow. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, it sounds like the proposal is some kind of 
compromise. So do you think it's too much? Do you think it's too little? Right now on the line, we have Shanaz Gokul, who is the CEO of Dying with Dignity. Shanaz, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Libby. Well, uh, what is your read on the legislation? Uh, The details have been uh, leaked. Uh, Is it uh, a good compromise or not? Well, I mean, we're very concerned. If uh, the legislation, um, as the leak has indicated, uh, excludes uh, people who have a diagnosis uh, for dementia or some other um, medical illness that's uh, as degenerative, um, if it excludes people with mental illness, and if it excludes uh, mature minors altogether, what we do know is that uh, these groups of people may have to be um, dragged to court while they are sick and dying uh, in order to establish what may be their charter rights. So we have some grave concerns uh, that uh, there may be sort of a full stop exclusion um, for people with dementia uh, in this legislation. Uh, what do you mean people being dragged to court, though, th- that they will fight those exclusions? Uh, certainly, if there are, you know, if the legislation that's proposed is not in compliance with either the Carter decision or the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, then unfortunately, in order for it to make it compliant, if the federal government doesn't draft it that way, then people are going to have to go to court uh, to fight for what may very well be their charter right to access. Uh, And we expect better from this federal government because they came in on an election platform that promised uh, after 10 years of, you know, the Harper government, um, you know, at odds with both the Charter and the Supreme Court of Canada, this government promised that they would not put forward legislation that was not Charter compliant. Okay, so could you explain to us how, if they do exclude people with dementia, how would that not be in compliance with the Carter decision? Okay, so well, let's let's first talk about um, what happens if you're excluded. So if you um, are somebody with a diagnosis for dementia or another degenerative condition, so let's say Huntington's, for example, then you're going to be left um, uh, with a couple of options, and, and they're not very good. Uh, so uh, if you want to take control and have some control at the end of your life, and if you cannot uh, make an advance request, and also, you may not be able to qualify for an assisted death um, while you're still competent because you may not meet the eligibility criteria. You may, you may not be suffering intolerably at that point in time. Then people in those situations will either have to take their own lives or try to take their own lives, um, or they are if they wait too, too long um, and they slip into um, incompetency, then they may end up dying a horrific death. It's a cruel choice. And this was exactly what was reflected in the Carter decision um, when they ruled uh, for the right to die with dignity by you know, not allowing people to make a request um, to have an assisted death. People may take their lives too early. And what we know with um, you know, dementia is that it, you know, the disease progresses differently from person to person. And so someone may decide, well, you know, I'm going to have to go now because I'm going to have to take my own life because I'm not going to be able to get an assisted death. And they may have months or even years ahead of them, they just don't know. But if they're excluded, uh, you know, they are being they and their families and friends will be robbed of that very precious time because they've already been given a life sentence. And so 
what we want to ensure is that people will be able to access uh, an assisted death in those circumstances in a fair and a safe and a compassionate way. And so from our reading of the Carter decision, excluding people goes completely contrary to what um, the court said about ensuring that people could have, you know, the longest possible quality uh, life um, uh, before they access an assisted death. But also, you know, the legislation, not only does it have to be in compliance with Carter, but it has to be in compliance with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And if they exclude a whole group of people based on the random luck of life or maybe genetics, uh, then that's very discriminatory. And it's harsh and it's not compassionate. And so this government is going to have to think twice if that's the route that they're going to go. And people who, who've seen family members who may have a diagnosis it should be very upset that you may not be, if you're someone listening on this call, that you may not be able to get an assisted death at all. Um, how do you answer people who say that this uh, is a slippery slope or who say that really you can't in advance decide uh, what quality of life is good enough for you? Right. So I think that one of the things we have to remember here is that this is up to the person. So the individual um, who makes, um, you know, choices for themselves, it's, it's, it's what, you know, not everyone's going to choose this option. And so what we're talking about is somebody, they've got a diagnosis so that they know they have that sort of one-way street ahead of them um, if they have a diagnosis uh, for dementia. Um, and what they would do is they would list the conditions um, when met that they, that they would find intolerable. So that could be bedridden and unable to, you know, do um, personal care and toilet themselves, unable to recognize friends and family. And the way that this would work is that, you know, if you receive a diagnosis like this, um, that as you, uh, while you have capacity, as you meet with your health care providers, that they, they know you've done, you know, that you've, you've asked for this, they would check in with you with every visit to ensure, yeah, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. So when the time comes um, and they've lost uh, uh, capacity, they will have made it very clear uh, what is unacceptable uh, for them. And I think we really have to remember this is really about um, the autonomy of the person uh, and the patient who has this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, do you have a strategy in place uh, on how to deal with this legislation if, as expected, it has these exclusions? Yeah, I mean, this is a strategy that the federal government has. Uh, it's a mechanism. It's existed for, you know, for decades um, that they should use. So if there is a question that the legislation may not be in compliance with the charter because it, it excludes groups of people, so once again, mature minors, people from mental illness, um, people who have dementia or other degenerative uh, medical conditions, then what they should do at this point is they should refer those questions to the Supreme Court of Canada. They can still go ahead with the June 6th state. They can still go ahead with the, you know, the, their, their draft uh, legislation. They can um, suspend those particular categories um, until the court uh, hears and, and, uh, and reviews uh, the evidence in front of them about uh, why the exclusion of uh, these categories of people may be completely charter and constitutionally compliant. I don't think it will be. Um, and then they can amend the legislation um, uh, at once they have that advice from the court. And 
Why that is the preferable, the credible, and the reasonable option is because it means that we will all know as a country if this legislation is you know, fully in compliance um, with the Charter, and it will mean that sick and dying people will not have to go to court uh, to to establish their rights. And I think that at this point, uh, the government should be um, strongly considering this option because, once again, they came in with a promise to make sure all of their legislation would be um, in alignment with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Okay, Shanaz, we have to take a break. Uh, Please hold on the lines because we're going to come back uh, with more with Shanaz and also your calls and your opinion on this legislation. Do you think it should include allowing an advanced directive uh, for physician-assisted death for people with uh, degenerative conditions like Alzheimer's? The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-7. And uh, we will be back with more on this very important issue after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the government's long-awaited legislation on physician-assisted dying and whether people with degenerative conditions like Alzheimer's should be allowed to have an advanced directive that would give them a physician-assisted death uh, at whatever point they choose in advance. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Now, the lines are open, but people, you do have to be patient when you call in. Uh, So we will go to the phone lines now. We also have Shanaz Gokul on the line. Ed in Toronto, how are you? Oh, not too bad. How's yourself? Fine, thanks. Um, I can... Agree with your comment. Then, how do we know when, uh, with a person with Alzheimer's and all that, uh, would find things intolerable? And I can see how the government are going to try to stay away from making a definite decision on that part because that's really a, a, a difficult issue. And people are making advance, uh, uh, you know, death notices uh, and. We don't know what's coming down with research and, um, uh, you know, the, the research claims now that they'll be able to stop it in within a few years, things like that, eh? Oh, I don't think so. There's no research that well, says uh, they're going to... Goldhawk had a program on, and there's uh, been some talk going out that uh, they'll be able to... Uh, something to do with the genes... Um, uh, yeah, there's there's lots of research going on, but there's no breakthrough. There are there well, are some the, leads. They have to run extensive tests before they can start putting out a drug, as you know. Right, but, but they they're, don't. They're they're they, the there's trial. not a drug in the pipeline. Yeah, there, there there's, is something there already. Um, there there's a drug that uh, doesn't uh, work what perfectly. What they have now, it doesn't work. But there's something that they've got now that they're running trials on, and, of course, they have to run these trials for up to five years, eh? Right. What I'm telling you, Ed, is that there's not a magic bullet waiting to cure Alzheimer's, much as we uh, would like that. In five years, they may find that this is the thing that they're working on right now. Mm. Uh, Dale covered many uh, programs on this while he was I, I, I'm also familiar with the with the drug pipeline for Alzheimer's. Anyway, go ahead. So uh, you think... So uh, for people to make advanced 
decisions like this, uh, to me, uh, you know, there might be others, children or something, that are taking care of them, and they're, and they're getting worn out. They may speed along the decision, you know what I mean? Uh, there could be uh, where the person may not have wanted to go. This would have to be written down so extensively, uh, it's not going to be easy to enforce. You know what I mean? You'd have to say, this condition, you can't go to... Uh, you don't recognize anybody. You can't go uh, go to the washroom on yourself. You'd have to do this. Uh, I can see where the government can have problems with this. Okay. Um, Ed, why don't we ask uh, 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 Shanaz what she thinks of, uh, uh, of the... Uh, Shanaz, what do you think of that? Uh, thanks, uh, Ed, for, for raising your concerns. And, you know, I think that, uh, that Ed is right in that, that this is challenging. There's no question uh, when, we, when we look at the fact that, you know, this country needs a, a national dementia strategy and we don't have one. Um, but I think that he, he actually came up with the answer himself in his comments in that, you know, that it will need to be documented. It will be, need to be quite clear, uh, you know, that this is what the person wants in these particular circumstances. But this has to be from the person um, and as part of an arrangement with their healthcare teams once they have this diagnosis. So what we, what we want to ensure is that there is a process um, and there are protocols that can be developed. There's no question it's going to be challenging, um, but because something is challenging doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do the, the humane and the compassionate thing. Uh, it just means it's going to take, you know, a little bit more uh, work to make sure we get it right. And I would also comment just on his earlier um, uh, uh, thoughts about, you know, whatever um, developments may be in the works um, around, you know, research and, and, and treatments for, for dementia is that, you know, if someone has made this request really clear and they've slipped into, you know, incapacity um, in, in, say, 10 years from now, um, unless that treatment can bring that person back, uh, you know, they've already made it really clear what they want. And so, but if there's a treatment that's developed, I think uh, Ed and, and, and Libby, I'm sure you'd be on this, we'd all be really excited and really happy um, that there could be uh, protocols. But unless, you know, someone is able to come back uh, to you know, to capacity well, once they've gone down that road. And if they've made it really clear that this is what they want, then I think the assisted, the advanced request for an assisted death would still stand. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Ed, for your call. Dorothy. Dorothy? Hello? Hi, Dorothy. Hi. Um, well, I certainly can't get my brain around something that people decide to kill someone um, ahead of time. And this is, it's like, the computers have taken over. Everything's so science fiction. People really don't think anymore. It's, it's we're all like computers. And and as far as saying that, instead of putting more research all these years into what causes Alzheimer's and dementia, I'm sure they could find a cure. It's always people who are really smart that use their brain too much and have so much stress. They drink and smoke cigarettes. They're always writers. Or they're always insurance salesmen. They're always people that had far too much pressure and stress on them. The ones that get Alzheimer's and and dementia. That's so. that's the, people get dementia. First of all, it's a matter of uh, plaques that build up in the brain. It's a matter of uh, hereditary heredity, uh, and um, it it just happens. Um, so uh, you know. Um, there is a lot of research going on because everybody wants a, a cure or how, uh, you know, uh, treatment for Alzheimer's. Uh, so you, you think that uh, 
despite where we're at, you're obviously against physician-assisted death. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for your call, Dorothy. You're welcome. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Irene and Barry. Hello, Libby. Hello. Um, I would be very upset if this pre-planning is not passed with the bill. Okay. I think it's very necessary, and it's you can do it. You stipulate exactly when you wish to go, and uh, I, tend, I intend to do it. And um, I think it should be in the bill. I'll be very upset if it isn't. Uh, have you had experience with a family member or a loved one or a friend? I'm a nurse. And uh, if anyone is against dying with dignity, Bill, they should spend an eight-hour shift with someone who's dying. And they would change their mind. And, yes, I have worked with, uh, with Alzheimer's uh, patients and their caregivers. So I think it's very important that one should be able to pre-plan. Shanaz? Yeah, I mean, uh, Irene, I thank you for, for calling in yeah. for your comments. And, you know, once again, uh, Irene's comments are reflecting that this is all about um, uh, Canadians who want to take control at the end of their life. It's all about choice. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of uh, pre-planning through advanced care directives and advanced care plans is something we should all be doing anyway, um, and that this is one more component um, to be able to ensure that uh, you're, you're not going to be suffering at the end of your life. And I think there are many people out there we know, we did a poll at the beginning of February of this year, that over 80% of Canadians support um, uh, advanced requests for physician-assisted dying. And I believe, Libby, and I don't have the number right on me, but I know CARP did a poll, um, and the, the figures were very high as well. That there's there is numbers very similar. Yes. There, there's a lot of appetite. People want to be able to take control um, and be able to, to make their own choice. No one is forcing this upon anyone who doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to take, uh, doesn't want to have those choices. But for people who do, for Canadians who do, uh, then many of them are, you know, feel exactly as Irene do. Okay. Thank you very much for your call, Irene. Okay, and Libby, one more thing. Please tell people not to refer to it as assisted suicide because it's not. It's just dying with dignity. That, that's what we call it here. Thank you for that, Thank Irene. You. Okay, let's try to take one more call before we have a break. Marion in Etobicoke. Hello. Marion? Hello. Hi there. Hi. Very quickly, Marion. Oh, it's going to be quick. My life, my way, and that includes my family being involved. Your life, your way. Short and simple. Short and simple. So uh, you would like to see uh, an advanced directive included in that legislation? Yes, and I'd like to be able to, with my family involved, make my own decisions and let everybody else in this world make theirs, but don't involve each other. Sounds like a plan to me. Sure does. Pretty simple, eh? Okay, Marion. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Shanaz Gokul, CEO of Dying with Dignity, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Livy. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.